Hey everybody, welcome to another bonus episode of What a Hell of a Way to Die. Um, we have, <laughs> is that no, what we're fuck, doing? No, bitch, mm. we're not. This is fucking Midwestology. This is me. I'm I'm in charge, goddammit. Well, it. you didn't I'm, start fucking talking, so I didn't know. <laughs> you did the countdown. I'm an ROTC cadet who wants to prove he's in charge and he's yelling and being a freak. <laughs> and everybody's, everyone who's actually been in the military is like, God, this guy sucks at his job really bad. Welcome to Midwestology on uh, the $10 tier. Uh, uh, we're you guys, talking about America? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys haven't heard this, but but on the $10 tier for, uh, or actually for the, all the bonus episodes of Trash Future, Milo and Alice have gotten into a thing where they just make sex noises at the beginning mm-hmm. because it's the extra special bonus, or as mm-hmm. Milo says... Bonus. Exactly. And so uh, this has gotten grosser. But then Alice has this sound clip that we know as moan.wav, which, which instead of it being instead of it being like like sexy girl noise it's basically a dude going oh and, uh, what's what's amazing is that um we worked out that it's what the sound actually is is it's it's from dark souls one it's the sound when you get hit <laughs> so it's actually like a pain sound but it does just sound like a guy nutting it's like oh <laughs> So what um, is what is an orgasm but a tiny death, you know? Yeah, mm. yeah or getting slashed in Dark Souls, yeah, but then le, you not le, le petit sword, <laughs> as they call it in French. Yeah, when so, you get uh, stabbed in the ass, that's uh that's that's how Gaddafi died. Um, in fuck. in the most goddamn. <laughs> how many podcasts is Nate gonna have to edit this out? He hadn't played enough Dark Souls. <laughs> every time, every time I have to cut this shit out, man. I sort of fucking got. So uh, we, this is a pro Gaddafi podcast. This is, this is, I read the Green Book. Yeah. This, this is the podcast of the Jamahiria. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to divide Switzerland. I'm still in favor of that. We're I mean, starting ISIS TF. When you, uh, when right you have here, a right point, now. you have a point. Go ahead, divide those Swiss up. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Fuck the Swiss. They're weird. Um, so I brought you guys back because we wanted to explain some stuff to Milo about the, the great region known as the Midwest. Uh, we talked about the origins of the Midwest last time and a bunch of other stuff to include the insane clown posse. And I wanted whoop, to whoop. talk about some Midwest culture, whoop, whoop. Uh, and I'm not talking about. <laughs> tenderloin sandwiches which is mm. the indiana thing i've seen some photos recently of people posting big tenderloin sandwiches where like it seems like it's a fucking joke that is like mm. the world's largest pork chop sandwich however we're not going to talk about that we're going to talk about some food culture and uh i want to talk specifically about restaurants so off the top of my head i realized when we were talking pr- prior to starting recording milo had never heard of ponderosa steakhouse I had not, but I was glad to learn. Yes. Now, what he has not realized about Ponderosa is that uh, it is it is Isn't a thing. Ponderosa Spanish for like heavy. Yeah, yeah, but it's also kind of tree. The and heavy so thing. It's a kind of like a Ponderosa pine, and You'll so be heavier when you come out. So Ponderosas <laughs> always have like this mural of like pine trees and shit, and like right, pine okay. trees everywhere and stuff. Uh, but it's crucial above all else to understand that they're disgusting. Oh, so universally, Joe. I would like. I would like. Uh, uh, disgusting I, tree. <laughs> you disgusting when, when little tree. When treats. I was in college, sometimes with friends, we would go and just have like a like a Sunday afternoon defeat meal at Ponderosa. And I remember the Ponderosa on I think College Avenue, North College Avenue in Bloomington, Indiana. And I never had a good memory of being there. Like the battle royale of a lunch. Like many will come, only one will leave. <laughs> and so I wanted. I wanted your Ponderosa stories. Yeah, a lot of my Ponderosa history is also couched in the military because um, during drill weekends, um, they have to feed us lunch. So either if they didn't have cooks and they didn't have any way of like, you know, feeding us at the drill hall and like they felt that it would be too mean to just throw MREs at us, they would uh, they'd be like, okay, look, we can go to a buffet. And um, 
there is a Ponderosa that was not too far away. Um, for for those of you who who have never been in the Army Reserve, um, Army Reserve bases are never in good parts of a neighborhood ever um, because nobody ever wants a bunch of uh, rich people don't want a bunch of army trucks and a bunch of soldiers around because it looks bad. So um, Ponderosa is already a gross place, but they're like, you know what? We can feed everybody for like seven bucks there. Uh, you know, you could get <laughs> Total. you could get. You could get the the buffet. You couldn't get a steak. Steaks were extra, so you had to. <laughs> you you were only allowed into the buffet where everything on the buffet line tasted like chicken. Um, in I some love the way, idea shape, of there being like a poor door at the Ponderosa Steakhouse where you're like you're in, but you're not allowed at the beef. <laughs> Anything that's not beef. So Milo, I'm going to give you some photos. It's very funny to me because I looked up Ponderosa Steakhouse on Google. Oh Let me god, everything's in vats. And uh, <laughs> this is truly this is food for the hogs. And it's very funny to me because it's Stick like your nose in that the, the, metal the, trough and have do at you it. Do not have buff? Do you not have buffets in in England? They do. We but, do, but that's like a powerful vibe. Yeah, uh, but it's just funny to me because. Uh, because I, I've got one, the Ponderosa for in Pulaski, North New York, in Vidalia, Ohio. Uh, Vidalia. Calling somewhere in Ohio Vidalia is just taking... Where the picks. onions come from, baby. <laughs> yeah. Ponder, P- Ponderosa on uh, Scatterfield Road. Yeah. Uh, in- I love to be from, like, Arcadia, Idaho. <laughs> yeah. So- Arcadia is absolutely the name of a, a town in somewhere in, in America. Mm. I know that much. So this is what they look like on the outside, Milo? Like shit. Oh yeah, nice. That could be a tool store. That could be anything. Like that doesn't need to and be. And it a probably restaurant. will be in about a month. <laughs> yeah. And, and like the the vat thing is like that's how most Midwest food is is served is in a vat. Um, because it's the only thing that can properly contain it because it's always weirdly wet. And we and we <laughs> yeah, we that is true, isn't it? It's well, always, th- well, because it's always got to be in its own juice. Otherwise, it dries out under the heat lamp. So everything has mm. to be like half submerged in some kind of liquid Ugh. to to properly to keep steaming it because they have like little burners underneath too to keep it warm. Mm. So you got the heat lamps up top and then you got the heat down below. So you've got to be constantly steaming like those green beans that just came out of a can. Let's be honest. Like they just yeah. slop a big thing of uh, green beans with the bean juice in there and they're just like seven fifty a person. Here you go. The Come green beans that are there is like an offering to the gods because no one's taking them. Everyone's just at the generic meat <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this because, yeah, when I think about other restaurants, I can remember, you know, Mongolian barbecue clone places that are just like, you know, you, mm-hmm. you basically pay an entry fee and, you know, per bucket of slop. <laughs> basically, you fill up your slop bucket and they cook it on like the cooking thing in the middle or, you know, Chinese buffet. Similarly, you pay like the entry fee and you, you all you can eat slop or Ponderosa. Uh, and then if you look at places that have table service or like are less or not buffets, I was thinking like, okay, Cracker Barrel's a national chain. That's an obvious one. But you guys had Bob Evans too, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, we had Bob Evans. Bob Evans, um, I guess Denny's is, is national as well. Yeah. But Denny, Denny's was very... Uh, D- Denny's was a very important part of uh, my life during that time when I was too old to hang out at home, but too young to go to bars. So yeah, we just exactly. all we all just smoked weed in the Denny's parking lot and hung out at Denny's. And then until went four in, in Denny's the and got like like bottomless pots of coffee. For me, it was Perkins, yeah. not Denny's. And you could go in the smoking section, and the waitresses working that at late at night really don't give a fuck about carding you or stuff, or like, are you old enough to smoke? So you and like your underage friends go and hang out and sit in a booth till like four in the morning at Denny's just smoking and drinking coffee, which I'm sure is great for your brain. Oh yeah. yeah the people the people working the overnight shift at Denny's on a Tuesday are mm. not 
They're not your A team, basically, but they're also the <laughs> nicest. It's just, Denny's operates on strip club logic. <laughs> you're there on like a Tuesday night, like it's not the it's not the A team. They, they actually you know share what? a staff. <laughs> Joe, was it was it Denny's for you, or was it Perkins, or someplace else? So, in, in Michigan, specifically the Detroit area, has uh, a unique aspect of Midwest culture known as Coney's. Um, ah, okay. Now, Coney's like everybody. Well, not everybody, uh, but most people are aware of like Coney dogs, which is just a hot dog with chili and shit on it, and we act like it's a pinnacle of food. Um, but they have restaurants that are just like. It, called Coney's and there will be like eight in any given town all owned by the Lord's resistance army (laughs) (laughs) named by the original of the Coney dog Joseph Coney everybody in Detroit knows this we just won't we just won't admit it Um, he had great taste in hot dogs that guy (laughs) some of his other work a bit dubious but on that one thing yeah But, like, all of these Coney's absolutely look like shit. They're in the worst buildings in town because there's, like I said, there's, like, eight of them in any given shitty town, whether it be Detroit or Pontiac or any of the other little suburbs that surround it. So they're all competing against one another. So nobody can really pay the rent. They're always owned by, like, a weird Greek guy. Um, Mm. And uh, they're open all the time. And they'll employ virtually anybody. So your friends, your your shitty friends in high school also probably work at a Coney. Uh, and they'll work the night Child shifts. Soldiers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's part of it's part of Coney thought. Um, <laughs> and they, there's no like understanding of you know labor laws. Uh, so like your 15 or 16 year old friend from high school also be working at like 3 a.m. at a Coney's. Yep. <laughs> and you awesome. can sit there and drink coffee and chain smoke. And like the weird goth girl you had a crush on would not charge you for like the 18th pot of coffee or whatever. But that's, I, was th- I know that that's that's pretty much all gone away. Like stuff indoor smoking has really gone mm-hmm. away. But like when we were growing up, it was still definitely a thing that like uh, Perkins. I remember because I, w- I went to Perkins and Steak mm-hmm. and Shake. Those were those are my Denny's not so much, but Perkins Steak and Shake. Like they would have a smoking section, or sometimes the restaurant was just all smoking area. Like yeah, the shake was because you're on your ninth coffee at four a.m. <laughs> well, it, it's it's funny because I actually have some perspective on this because I actually worked at Steak and Shake as well. Mm. So when I was in college, I worked at uh, Steak and Shake in Bloomington. You've maybe adopted Steak and Shake, but I uh, but I I, I, I worked I worked uh, I didn't I was work born at with the steak burger. I would say mm. Perkins is better food wise and like overall vibe wise than Steak and Shake. And and the reason I'll give is that and you guys can weigh in on this if you want, is that Denny's and Perkins, like they try to make it so fucking homespun and they keep the lights relatively lower. Yes. You know? Yes. So it's got this kind of living room feel and they have like curtains and like it just it feels more like home. Whereas Steak and Shake, it's like fucking germ research facility bright all the time. <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah, intensely respect. bright lights. The only place I've ever... Oh, Riley would hate it. Tiles are all white or black. It's a yeah. very a lot of very bright fluorescent light. You yeah. Know, we didn't, anytime, Neon shit too, yeah. Anytime that we did do... Like, sometimes we'd be like, man, I'm tired of hanging out at the Denny's. Let's go hang out at the Steak and Shake. And we always, always regretted it. We did have, like, another Denny's that we kept in rotation on occasion, though. Like, if we were just like, uh, I'm tired of this Denny's. Let's go to the let's go to the good Denny's out on Brown. And there's no good Denny's. They're all mixed <laughs> no, Denny's. There's, there's nothing. No, no, there's, yeah. there's only worse Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> Denny's... I mean, it's, it's funny because people who grew up in the South, they have fucking Waffle House, which is trash, but has, like, a much... Mm. There's just more... Like, Waffle House has more to recommend it. Waffle like, House is a vibe. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been to a Waffle, Waffle House. house. Is an energy. Yeah. 
Um, Waffle House name. is a part of like our our national emergency system. Like people yeah. <laughs> play specifically, it's just like, look, it, no, if Waffle House closes, we're fucked because Waffle what? House never closes. It doesn't even close uh, for shootings. Uh, when I was stationed no. in Kentucky, someone got lit up in the parking lot, and there's like, go around the police tape. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I got Dude. I got your hash browns back here, man. Go on. A guy on the ground bleeding out, and they're just giving him a coffee. <laughs> yeah, I was I was I left the Midwest. I was traveling to go to Florida, and we were driving overnight, and we stopped at a Waffle House, which is also twenty four hours mm. in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And oh, everyone nice. was there was a fucking, great part of the world was fucking werewolfing because it's like three or four in the morning on like a Friday <laughs> night or something. Mm. And I'm waiting in line for the bathroom and there's a line for the men's room, but not for the women's room. But the uh. women's room's occupied. And then the women's room door opens up and a, 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 a probably 45, 50 year old black man in what I can only describe as an immaculate pimp costume <laughs> with fucking sunglasses on at night so with a feather in his hat steps out. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was just using that for a minute. And then everyone just looks like what all right and so i went into the room I was like fuck it i guess it's, it's gender neutral bathrooms mm. and he had managed to piss all over the <laughs> roll of toilet paper <laughs> and that's, that's, that's real pimp shit oh, that's my god, a real pimp oh my state. god but see that's the thing that's waffle house like you said waffle house is an energy it's a vibe we don't really have that like there's something more kind of i don't know like laid back about it whereas in the midwest mm. like nothing's really laid back things are always a little more more uptight but I don't know. I uh, Detroit's conies are they're They can't. I will say they cannot compare to the Waffle House energy, but they're close. No. And I think that could be because like the people that own the conies, they don't give a shit. Um, and it's Detroit. So generally the vibe is I don't care. I'm going to die anyway. Uh, yeah, the, like the people who own conies are busy fighting a bloody civil war <laughs> in Uganda. They are not interested. <laughs> kind of like. um uh, the Waffle House things. Everybody who's kind of werewolfed or, you know, uh, stumbled out of one of the various uh, music venues in Detroit and needed, uh, you know, like eight cups of coffee so they could drive home sober from all the alcohol and whatever else they're in. Um, yeah. Would there was? I know one of my friends. Um, she got fired because she had sex in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got that's fired what, for buying he- weed in the back parking lot amazing it sounds like those things would be encouraged at coney's like the manager did you get fired because the manager's like you know i got better weed why are you not buying <laughs> weed off of me hey, you buy <laughs> weed in the women's toilet <laughs> yeah i was selling weed at the women's toilet to a pimp um, <laughs> I, I got fired because i sold weed to a cop in the back alley <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, I almost got fired during the busiest time of year because someone tried to run out on their check, but we had a security guard during the uh, the busiest, like the big college weekend, like the week prior to for what they call Little 500, which is like, a, basically it's a stupid bike race at Indiana University, but it's also like the biggest party week. Oh, I thought it was going to be the Indy 500, but driven by children because well, that would whip. They're, 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 they're really bringing Coney together. It kind of is. Right. So basically it's uh, it's not 500 miles, but basically like it's around the same time as the Indy 500, but it's a bicycle race. Mm. And it was really funny because it's like a track like a velodrome track track mm. by race where like you you know you trade off in relays and stuff like that right, right, right. um and it's very funny to me because up until like relatively recently like they didn't have a women's version they just made the women ride tricycles like the sheer volume of sexism like this was until like the 80s it was like a trike race for girls and then an actual <laughs> bike race for guys but awesome. now it's now it's it's uh there's there's a men's and women's version but um it was super busy right like fucking i'm talking the whole shift every table was full and there was a line 
Like normally I would float, I would work. Yeah, the women are coming in and they're like big clown <laughs> pants and shoes. You know? You're here for the Bro, Coney like, 500? It's just fucking, di- it was just like, it was, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was insane. Like every, like I would normally float. I would do, I would work milkshakes and drive through as well as busing and doing di- mm. dishes. Sometimes I'd work the grill if I had to, but because I wasn't super good at, like I wasn't mm. as experienced, like it wasn't a thing you wanted a new person working and I was always busy. Right. But during, mm. during that shift, it was, I just I literally, I would, I, I would never have a time to take a break. My whole mm. shift, just busing tables and washing dishes. It was so intense. And people would try to run out on their bills, but they had a fucking security guard who's catching people. And we caught some guy trying to run out. And the guy was uh, the guy. The guy. The guy was. I was like, "Look, man, you gotta pay." And do the thing. And he it, and he was just like, "Yeah, I should have fucking run." And I, I just kind of snapped because I was tired. I was like, "I don't know how fast you would run, you fat piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> and my manager was just like, "Nate, we're trying to deescalate this shit." What the fuck? You're, you're, in a, you're in a steak and shake. You ain't never running. <laughs> you never run in your life, bitch. And, uh, and and so yeah, needless to say, I um I almost got fired. But I think because I I mm. showed up on time and didn't skip shifts, my manager was like, "Fuck you, I'm still gonna make you work." But um. Yeah, steak and, and your shake. punishment is you have to keep showing up. Steak and shake was <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, and making five fifteen an hour. Oh <laughs> I yeah, remember, I remember that. The deepest hell, yeah. bro. I worked. I, I've told this story on Twitter so many times. I feel like fucking full on dad story mode. But like, I worked fifty four hours that that pay period, and I made like two hundred and seventy five dollars after taxes. Amazing. I was like this fucking sucks, man. Yeah, this is awful. And I was a full time student and doing ROTC. It's like yeah, it was mm. killing me, man. It sucked. I was in high school making that much money. My first job was work. Or sorry, my my first, the longest shitty teenager job was at a McDonald's, uh, where I was relegated to working on a gr- working the grill section with like the yeah. r- with the Romanian immigrants because they assumed because of my last name I was also a Romanian immigrant. Um. And uh, like, yeah, man, you don't sound very romantic. <laughs> the guy, the, the guy whose name was, uh, I, I can't remember. He's like, you're not Romanian. I'm like, that's right. Uh, but anyway, I was banished to the grill and I, I worked way past labor hours um, that I was allowed oh, for same, someone yeah. that was 14 or 15. Mm. And I made like $150. Like, man, this fucking sucks. I'm going to go awesome. back to selling weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I worked. I worked at uh, a fucking the, in the butcher, the meat section, like a butcher shop in a grocery store, and yeah, five fifteen an hour uh, when I was fifteen, sixteen, and yeah, it's it it sucked. I, I mean, I don't know, Francis, did you did you work in work fast food? I I didn't. I worked in a restaurant, a uh, place called Fitz's, um, and it's you know I I missed like I've worked shitty jobs, but I always skipped over like the absolute shittiest job. Never worked fast food. Never worked any of that. Like never done a drive through. But I was a kind of a, a busboy slash floater. So I made five fifteen an hour, but I also made tips. So it was yeah. like I would get the paycheck and be like whatever because I'm walking out of here with you know. Um, 60 70 bucks in in cash and when you're 16 um there's nothing better than that you know i would just i love how how many jobs in like american fast food sound like they're things that could be like classifications in the like gay community like bus boy (laughs) (laughs) what they mean by floater is that you're you float Mm. between stations like yeah so so i started out on dishes because there's enough floaters in this club that was the uh that was the most (laughs) self-explanatory or like like figure it out on your own was doing dishes and most nights because i worked third shift on weekends Mm. most night nights like it wasn't that busy that you couldn't catch up on dishes and so you know i started there uh, i still have my steak and shake apron i still have my steak and shake name badge <laughs> on my apron mm. because Why? it's a reminder to never you never ever... know when you might get called back out of retirement <laughs> gonna call up the steak and shake reserves nathan it's been a long time <laughs> it's a reminder to never get ahead of myself to never think mm. that i'm above anything like you know shaggy famously was on 
MTV Cribs and Your he wife uh, making you at the steak and shake apron <laughs> in bed. <laughs> Sh- Shaggy, the people asked him when he did MTV Cribs why he had this fucked up TV when he was like a multi, multi, multi millionaire. And he's like, that's that's the TV that literally like I had to pawn numerous times to make rent, like before I joined the Marines, before like I, you know, had a career. He's like, Shaggy so, was in the Marines. Yeah, Shaggy was in the Marines. Yeah. Shaggy, Shaggy's a Gulf War veteran. Wait, are you talking? Oh. Uh, you're talking, it wasn't me, not uh, our Lord and Savior, too dope, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaggy, Shaggy from the 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 the, the reggae R and B hip hop artist, not not mm-hmm. ICP. Um, same thing. Like it's just a reminder. Having the steak and shake apron is just sort of a reminder to never to never think I'm above anything. But I will say that there is a heart rending slash blood curdling phrase that occurs to me periodically and can just just snaps me back into an alternate and bad reality. And that is, and I quote, "Having a great day at steak and shake." My name is Nate. How may I help you? <laughs> oh, because. People don't understand. You can get PTSD from anything, and uh, yeah, and well, I'm surely you had that fucking problem of like the person who pulls up the drive-through and immediately accuses you of some bullshit to try to get some fake that's like free food. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's just like God, like oh, and you have to be deferential. It's always some fucking loser, but like they know they can do it and bully your manager into giving them free food. The greatest thing about working at Fitz's was it was oh, like I knew. I knew the owners. The owners were there. It was not a corporately owned yeah. thing at the time. So when, like one time I was working, I, you know, we had two bars. We had the upstairs bar, which was the drinking bar. And then we had downstairs, which had alcohol, but that's where like shakes and floats and stuff were made. So I generally worked down there and the bartender down there one time accidentally knocked a, so- a soda over that was on the, um, on the counter and it got onto a guy's pants. And so they're like, oh, sorry, you know, help them clean up and everything. And one of the owners was down there and he's just like, hey, man, sorry about that. Give you a free. Like Fitz's bottled their own soda. So that was mm-hmm. their kind of big thing. They had a whole bottling line and everything. So they're like, yeah, I mean, here's a six pack of, uh, of whatever sodas, you know, as an apology. And the guy's just like, well, I mean, you know, your fucking soda jerk here got all this stuff all over my pants. I think you guys should buy me lunch. And the manager's just like, I'm not doing that. I gave you soda. You can leave now. And uh, it, and it was it was phenomenal to like because at the time I had no really like I had no other experience I was like yeah, yeah obviously everybody you know just talks to shitty customers like that and then you know you get out and the, I started working at an Applebee's and I was like oh shit no you yeah. uh, you have to you have to kowtow to these people fuck that yeah it's yeah. awful Joe you, you you had one you were gonna tell me so I were I worked at McDonald's and that was back in the era of supersize I, I'm that made it yeah. out of the United mm-hmm. States right I don't remember I don't know. Did you guys have supersize here? No, we didn't. No, um, it was. I don't think it was legal in Europe. <laughs> I think it was genuinely illegal in the European. You got to brief the audience on what supersizing. Well, means. I'm I'm familiar with it as a concept, but yeah. but like, I don't remember the exact sizes. But take a large and make it two times that, um, and it's illegal yeah, for a could, reason. Because um, yeah. even here now, like as as America eyes as Britain is, like yeah, like our healthcare is free. That could have brought the British state down. Yeah, America <laughs> needs like our healthcare is free. Um, when yeah. you get a regular size fries here in Britain, like at McDonald's or Burger King or whatever, it reminds me of what the sizes used to be like when I was a little kid, like in the 80s mm-hmm. and early 90s, like when like a small, you know what I'm talking about? When like a regular size fries was like the little tiny envelope of fries, like that's yeah. kind of close to, that's what you get yeah. here. Whereas, All our like, sizes are like a size down from a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas okay. like, 
So I would assume clothes as well, convenient in like, like hand in glove. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have. I recently had to experience attempting to buy Russian clothes, and that that doesn't work for someone my size. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, never buy Russian clothes for a kickoff <laughs> under any circumstances. They're not a nation known for their fucking fashion. I remember once I was on a plane to Crimea, and there was a person on the plane with me who's like a young guy, about my age, I guess, who had a denim shirt on. And on the back of the shirt in sequins, it said, uh, <laughs> let me, it said in a, like a massive serif font, the style. <laughs> this is all in English. And then underneath that, in a different font, it said, it's time for flashlights. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I was, only on a fucking market in Russia could you buy I, that I shit. Was, I, was, I was waiting for a fl- connecting flight from Tokyo to Seoul. Mm-hmm. I'd flown New York to Tokyo and then Tokyo to Seoul. And there was a, another flight that was at the gate where people were, were waiting to board from Tokyo to Vladivostok. Mm, and the oh, best way I could describe oh, it is everyone looked like they were wearing counterfeit bathing aids. <laughs> like, just like, 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 like cam- camouflage patterns to blend in in the club, basically. Like, just everyone looked, everyone looked like it was the weirdest, most garish shit I'd ever seen in my just, life. I'm wearing Banya Simeon. <laughs> Join me. I, I encourage everyone to inspire, uh, to, to get to experience Yerevan style because you get not only oh, yeah. really good Russian knockoffs, but also Iranian knockoffs, which are knockoffs of the Russian knockoffs. Oh, Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Iranian and like Central Asian stuff, they're really still into distressed denim and like bleached yes. denim and stuff. Yes. And you just get like the wildest fucking shit, man. Yeah, I remember being in Georgia, everything was insane because like for some reason, I don't know if it's the same in Armenia, but in Georgia, everyone loves Japanese minivans from the 2000s. <laughs> yes. Like, and so like, they're, but they're all imported from Japan. So they're all got like the wrong side, the wheels on the wrong side of the car. And everyone drives at like 100 miles an hour. There's like no rules of the road. And one day we hired this um, guide who was actually Armenian, but lived in Georgia for a long time. And he only speaks like Armenian, Georgian and Russian. So I'm there with these two American girls and he's like talking Russian about the shit that's going on and I'm translating. And then at a certain point, he's like, okay, I, I say something to you, but you do not translate for them. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he's just gotten like, we're on a, we're on George Bush Street in Tbilisi. <laughs> Is that where he had the pictures hand grenade thrown Bush. at him? On the roadside. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, funny, it, appropriate to this story, because this woman cuts him off in traffic, and then and then he says, like, don't translate this to them, and he goes, we have saying in Georgia, and a woman with car is like a monkey with hand grenade. Sooner or later, something will go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, he's Armenian. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, so Joe, you were talking about fucking supersizing. So what was your supersize story? Uh, So I was probably 15 and I I wasn't at the drive-thru, but I was inside the lobby. And uh, this woman uh, came in and there's this particular kind of person, at least back then in McDonald's, that would come into where the lobby is, where like the seats and everything are. And they would literally Mm. stay there for three meals. Like they would eat breakfast, read a newspaper for a couple hours get lunch, read a newspaper for a couple hours. Like smartphones aren't a thing yet. Uh, and then they'd get like dinner and then a dessert. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, I guess that's what you Excuse do. Excuse me, Gaston. I would like to speak with the clown. He's available. <laughs> send me the purple one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's... Do what, send me his b- mentally impaired friend if he's in a meeting. <laughs> I'm going to go burn a little bit of this off in the playland. Uh, make sure nobody touches my stuff, please. The the sandwich thief, is he in today? May I speak with him? <laughs> I, I think it's like what old people do when they don't have like a church group to keep them alive. 
Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I know like, what you mean. She was probably sixty-ish. I don't know. Re- pretty, pretty big lady came up to the counter like, "I would like fudge." And, you know, we have fudge for you know, uh, was it McFlurries or whatever? Not as like uh, yeah. a menu item. Um, and I was like, well, "Would you like that on something?" Uh, like, no, I would like a super-sized cup full of fudge. On my fucking tongue. <laughs> oh. she wanted I'm it. trying to induce diabetes. I've got a foot I need to get rid of. <laughs> it, 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 I, I don't know exactly what measurement of fudge that would be, but I'm going to assume like two pounds. It's a lot. Mm. Um, and it's yeah. not something that's like in the computer. And I can't like you freelance so this. Ill after that. You, you just fucking die. Like, I think you just die of yeah. hypoglycemic shock. Um, and I was like, mm. ma'am, I, oh. I don't know if I can give that to you. Uh, and my ma- and she's so she gets very, you have to very sign mad. A waiver. <laughs> and she starts yelling at me, not like angry old lady shit. Like she's called me some, some nasty shit. I'm like, wow, I have never seen that come out of an old white woman's mouth before. Uh, trying to send you back to Armenia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bring me the clown. <laughs> I want to speak to the clown about this. I I, I will talk to the grimace. The grimace has ice <laughs> connections. You'll be on the next flight to Yerevan, you little shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this lady, this lady, this lady, similar thing to me. She uh, uh she said that I that I I dropped some napkins and I picked mm. them up to throw them away, but she said I put them in her bag and I'm like I I threw them. No, ma'am. I said I threw them in the garbage can. Here's clean napkins in your bag. And she's like, are you calling me a liar? I'm like, no, I just didn't put your... I didn't put the dirty napkins in your bag. I threw them in the trash. And then she came around. She's like, your guy at the drive through called me a fat liar. And I was like, well, you are fat, but I didn't call you fat. And uh, needless to say, my manager was like, fucking whatever, bitch, here, have some free food. Because that's the thing. That's the scam. Yeah, have a free cup of fudge and kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Load the revolver with fudge and do the rest. We yeah. call, and we call that a problem that solves itself. So, so mm. Joe, like, did did your manager just just ring her up like like a specialty item, like you know, ten times on the fucking yes. fudge topping for an ice cream? Yeah. Oh Christ! Yeah, really? He was like, I. Uh, he was. I mean, what? Three years older than I was. His managers aren't yeah. even like legal adults yet either. They've just stuck around long enough through the attrition yeah, but, but of the, the McDonald's not even warfare. Clown he, he's, school he, yet. he's basically like a company commander in the First World War. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, a, 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 ch- a child he's soldier a- in Ronald McDonald's army. Yeah. yeah, except the 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 child soul the child officer is at least comes from like a rich neighborhood. We're talking about like the guy that Joe was buying weed from is now his McDonald's manager. Uh, 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 he was buying weed from me. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, is this McDonald's manager like theatrically washing his hands like Pontius Pilate before he dispenses a lethal dose of fudge to this woman? <laughs> Give the sign of the cross of like go He's with like, God. <laughs> God Go has left this place. Exactly. <laughs> the people have spoken. God but. has left this fudge. How yeah. about this supersized cup of Barabbas? Would it, you like that instead? He he like is like, look, ma'am, if you stop yelling at my employee, I'll give you what you want. And <laughs> uh, something to that effect. And then filled up a supersized cup of fudge, which took forever. Because like oh, I can imagine. <laughs> like, mm. It is pounds yeah, and pounds the of dispenser? fudge. What's the dispenser here? Is it like a squeeze bottle? Is there like a machine I, that has the fudge in it? It was like, a very mm. slow moving machine because like the, the fudge only went into like a dollar up on top of McFlurry's at the time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure mm. it cashed out the machine. Like, I don't think there's any fudge left. 
This is why all the McF- this lady is why all the McFlurry machines are broken across <laughs> exactly. uh, America. She broke, she broke she, all the McDonald's ice cream machines across America. <laughs> she ate all the fudge. There's there's a fudge shortage in America now because of her. Well, I was uh I remember from because that's when we make milkshakes. Like we trade secrets being revealed here at Steak and Shake. There is no flavored ice cream. There's just like even the ice cream isn't even vanilla. It's just sort of sweet milk ice cream and you mix whatever flavor the customer asks for. So you've got like 30 different syrups and then you basically mm-hmm. just scoop out this thing and mix in whatever syrup into it and then whatever they ask for in the order and shit, you know, fucking whipped cream and cherries and sprinkles and whatever whatever the fuck else. Um and like on busy nights, I would go through. It came in five pound blocks of milkshake base, and like it was pre- pretty. It was pretty common for me to go through three or four blocks, so like twenty pounds of milkshake base mm. in a night. And so like I had to wash all my shit when I came home because like I'm not joking, my apron would be like like crunchy, <laughs> like it would be like frozen <laughs> solid, but not frozen. It was so covered in milkshake goo that it was just, like holding itself together. Like, imagine yeah, me coming up. Our son works at the cum factory. <laughs> <laughs> you should see his uniform when he gets home. <laughs> me just driving home in my full steak and shake outfit with my apron on, just smoking a cigarette in Cop my Honda. Pulls you over like, thank you for your service. In a Honda Civic, just fucking dying, just hating mm. my life, man. With a, uh, a bumper sticker that says Jalalabad Dick Sucking Union. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, in I hadn't joined the army yet. It was, I hadn't, I wasn't, I wasn't in yet, but, um, yeah, man, like I just I think back to that stuff and just like Midwest restaurant, like that could be a story anywhere in terms of like working fast food. There's something very industrial about American food culture yeah. where like, yeah, you get you get the block of lard and you feed it into <laughs> well, the fucking the ice cream machine. And that's the like, thing, like yeah. Steak and Shake kind of prides itself on trying to sell itself because it's a sit down restaurant. You have table service and stuff that it's not. Fast. We've got fucking chairs, you hogs. <laughs> yeah. You can't imagine all you have to stand on your little trotters and stick your nose in the fucking swill. I remember they used to have Steak and Shake used to have commercials that were scenes from a workaround where they would yeah, say yeah, like, oh, if you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. go, if you have to go to McDonald's, you have to like throw your own trash away. Which like every time I went to a McDonald's, nobody was throwing their trash away. So you can just right. leave I, your trash I on forgot, the table. Yeah, restaurant versus workaround. I I just the thing for me that I remember is, uh, like they want to sell it like it's a like a real production restaurant, right? But everything you get at Steak and Shake is prepackaged from distribution. So like like they would make the tuna salad on site, but that was about it. Like the burgers mm-hmm. came in, you know, like a big bag from the freezer and you would put them on trays because they were like these hockey pucks. And then you have to like smush them down on the grill. Uh all like the, the tiny fries that they sell at Steak and Shake, like they those came in huge bags too. Like nothing is made on site. We didn't do any prep on site. Like even stuff like having sliced onions and things like that, like that would come pre-sliced. Like they would, it, it genuinely, like it is a fast food restaurant that just has waiters. But yeah, also it sounds the exact same as McDonald's kitchen when I where I was trapped yeah. with Romanians. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really funny too because yeah, like scenes from a workaround. Like yeah, well, you know what never happened to me at McDonald's and did happen to me at Steak and Shake is someone went into the men's room and fired off a can of pepper spray <laughs> and like all the customers started coughing because it was coming from the men's room and I was the only guy that was working that wasn't like on the grill at the time. My manager was like, "Hey, could you go check it out?" So I go in and they immediately like start hacking and fucking coughing. And I'm like, "Yep, it's pepper spray, you asshole." <laughs> you got to You got to put on your Steak and Shake gas mask and go and decontaminate the toilet. Was this Steak yeah. and Shake employee solemnly? 
smacking two metal bars together outside to get the bathroom. And, 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 then, I, that, and then I went outside and tried to smoke a cigarette. I just fell over. And uh, thankfully, the, the waitresses were nice that night. They gave me some of their tips. They're like, yeah, that was kind of bullshit what they did to you. But I'm like, oh, sweet. An extra $7. That's like working an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's, not, but it's not taxed. So, you know. That is true. That is Uncle true. Uncle Sam, yeah. as, long as, as long as the tax man doesn't uh, listen to our podcast, I mean, we should be that, fine. Yeah, that, is, that is legitimately like the, the Midwest tea. Uh, this is actually just, I feel like, a, just a teen experience where it, it's like a very dumb version of the Squid Game scene where you're purposely inflicting pain upon yourself to get money in the subway. But like, yeah, I'll do something incredibly uh, yeah. dumb at work to make $7. Why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, they're asking me to. Mm. Well, so now I got to ask then, before we talk about the big subject which you guys know more about than I do, which is professional wrestling. I have to ask, so like, if you had to pick... Because I've been to a Perkins in New York State. I've been to Steak and Shake in the South, in Georgia. I've been to Denny's all over the country because there's Denny's everywhere in America. Of all the places we've named, what do you feel like... Say you went outside of the Midwest, what would you think would capture the most Midwestern shitty diner experience? I mean, I think um, my, uh, my opinion's a bit stilted because I think Coney's perfectly encapsulate the, yeah. the Midwest experience in Michigan, especially in uh, the, the Detroit diner experience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not only do you get um, Jesus because, you know, Lord's Resistance Army, um, but yeah, Joseph Cody makes a mean Liba. fucking chili, you know? Um, yeah, there you go. Oh, you know, we haven't talked about Skyline Chili, which is very funny to me because it's like... It, for, Skyline Chili? Skyline Chili is a chain based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's like Cincinnati, okay, well. Cincinnati Chili is like a special recipe, but they serve it over fucking spaghetti noodles. Yes, this so is why like, I don't recognize would, Ohio's existence. Cincinnati Chili Dog is also one of those gross sex moves that nobody actually does. It <laughs> involves shitting on somebody's chest. So I mean, a rest, that's, a see, that was, that was, we called that a Cleveland steamer. This is just appropriating German culture. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there are a lot of Germans in Southern Ohio. Let's be perfectly honest. Yeah, a, a restaurant designed purely to upset Italians. <laughs> yeah, so they serve chili on spaghetti noodles with sliced, like diced up raw onions as a mm. garnish. Like genuinely, wow. I just I can't it's, make it's fun poverty, of it's it's poverty food that uh, they're trying to they're trying to dress up a little bit. Like we've got a thing in St. Louis called a St. Paul sandwich. It's basically egg foo young on two slices of white bread. Um, awesome. And I'm just I'm waiting for it to become gentrified. The St. Paul sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's either that or it's like something you get in some like really fancy restaurant in London. Well, that's that's one of the things too. Is like in Rochester, for example, they have the the what is the meal called? Like the garbage plate yes, or something like that. Those things are disgusting but amazing simultaneously. Yeah, I, I've pulled I, I've pulled up a picture of it. Basically, it's yeah, it's a uh, fried potatoes, baked beans, hot dogs, onions, mustard, and a chili like meat sauce. This is what it looks that like. Sounds horrendous, and it that's looks a horrendous British as fry well. up. Don't give me that. That's no, it's fuck. No, that's nothing like a British fry up. If you're hungover, yeah. it's really hard to beat a garbage plate because it's. The consistency is mostly mush, so you don't have to work very hard. <laughs> well, that, well, what I was going to say was that because that's like an upstate New York thing, but that that also ties in the fact that Midwest culture in a lot of ways is Rust Belt culture, which extends up mm. to bad parts of areas that are not considered the Midwest, like upstate New York. Yeah. Oh, Anywhere yeah. where it sucks, things will suck. Yes. Like, yeah, the only the closest equivalent to these kind of places I can think of in the UK, and this chain doesn't even exist anymore. But when I was a kid and I would go on like road trips with my family. There, there used to be a, a, a like a kind of British diner type chain, which was like at every motorway services, mm-hmm. like anywhere in the country, called Little Chef. 
and like you could get like a fry up whatever it was saying like a lot of child labor um <laughs> a lot of like people taking stuff out of bags and putting it on yep, a grill yep, yep, like, yep. I, yeah just like very bleak like they used to like run like weird promotions like for kids because there'd be so many like families on day trips or whatever where like you know you could collect the fucking little chef figurines or whatever but the food was all like you could get stuff like Real, like, old-school British fry-up stuff, like fucking black pudding and fried bread. Um, yeah, no. I'm not a big I'm not a big lover of the fry-up. I love, a, like, a bacon and egg sandwich or something, but an actual full fry-up, I'm like, oh, uh, to me, I like. I actually like the fry-up, but I can never finish it when it has all of the items that they're asking, like, the, the supposedly oh, yeah. they're supposed to come along with it. Like, it's just too much food Black for pudding, me. mushrooms, beans. Yeah. Beans I fucking hate. It's too much sugar, man. So, yeah, bread, beans, eggs, toast, or... Uh, yeah, because they'll sometimes sausage. serve you bread and butter and toast. Yeah, mushrooms, white pudding, black pudding. Yeah, it's wild. Um, all right, so listen. I feel as though we have to talk about the subject that we brought you guys on to talk about, mm. which is professional wrestling. Sports now, entertainment. Yeah. Now, 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 now I, I, I had a, a very good friend uh, who's actually still in the Army, who's going to be a battalion commander soon. I can't believe this, considering how many times we got blackout in college. Uh, he got me into watching WWE uh, during the John Cena, Rob Van Dam rivalry era. Uh, the ruthless aggression never... period. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you would call it. I just remember uh, the, the, there's a whole like epistemology around fucking WWE that's mm. very, very funny to me. But you guys know a lot Before more John about John Cena it. became the actor we know and love today. Yeah, he wasn't in movies yet, but he was already he was sort of like the like respect the troops guy in yeah. WWE. But you still couldn't see him. No, exactly. You still can't see him. But, mm. but I got to ask, what would you guys call the essentials if you were to explain American professional wrestling culture, specifically as it manifests in the Midwest to a British person? Uh, it's it's hard. Uh, for me, uh, I think like... It's, with to like, me, it's soap operas for guys. It's yes. soap operas for dudes. It's, it's <laughs> muscle ballet, right? Like, yes. It's it muscle soap operas. It's not just operas. ballet. Yeah. Um, like, because the... Specifically, like the... the was at the Attitude Area, which had, you know, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mankind, well, Undertaker, but Undertaker wrestled for like 30 goddamn years. Um, that definitely rings the, the the truest of that term, like muscle soap opera, because that was the era of like Vince McMahon, whose legitimate like psychopath who owns the company, was, yeah. was caught uh, supplying steroids to his wrestlers. Um, the... Vince likes a Vince likes a beefy boy. He, he likes uh, mm. he likes some he likes some big and muscly. He does not like big fat guys. He doesn't like little yeah. flippy wrestlers. He just wants you to come out and look mm. big and strong and go right, guys with like little like tumors between their neck and their shoulders, yes. like that kind of a vibe. Yeah, I, what I love about Vince McMahon is he owns the world's widest suits. <laughs> I've never seen a man look that wide in a suit, and I've seen like British gangsters from the 1960s. <laughs> in, in, Vince in, McMahon is fucking jacked himself. Like, I know he's also is doing jacked. steroids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the man is like 70 years old, uh, maybe even older at this point. And not to mention the storylines back then were legitimately some of the most unhinged storytelling that you'll ever see on TV. And I don't mean just in wrestling. I mean, period. Um, like, for instance, everybody knows about Chris Benoit murdering his entire family. Like, everybody's aware yes. of that. Um but one of the weird. It really wasn't lines. a storyline. <laughs> no, though, but it did interrupt. It, it did interrupt an even dumber storyline because the night before the flex sent him crazy. <laughs> oh God, the, Jesus uh, Christ! The, the night before, he got too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a real selling point for the Bowflex is that could snap his neck because he really didn't have one. Um, 
But, oh, fuck's sake. But uh, he, the night before that occurred, there was a storyline on TV where Vince McMahon was killed via car bomb. Um, <laughs> uh, and, like, hey, we've had enough of you, Vince McMahon. Vin- Vince McMahon was a fucking Ulster unionist and the IRA finally got him. Yeah, like, well, they've done a lot of things to Vince McMahon's cars. They've blown it up. Um, somebody filled it with concrete at one time. Get There's sprayed a- with beer and milk. Um, yeah, not at the yeah. same time, uh, but uh, yeah, like, and it had to be retconned because there's there's this concept in wrestling called kayfabe, which is like an old carny term for you have to treat this ridiculous shit as serious as possible on and off yeah. camera. Um, and the, the fact that we're all army veterans, I feel like it's that's one of the best explanations I can make for like the brain mentality you have to be in in the army that you have to care about shit that you know doesn't matter and it's genuinely kayfabe. Like that's the best <laughs> explanation I've ever been yeah. able to come up for. You have to car bomb your commanding officer, like, you know. like to be like, I have to be mad that this grown man didn't fucking wear his hat in the exact right angle like he's supposed to. Like that level of caring, you have this kayfabe. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, like it, it. it it's dead now. Kayfabe isn't really a thing because, you know, the Internet's a thing. But uh, back then it was still kind of real. So you know, this car bomb occurred, um, which, by the way, ended with Donald Trump calling WWF and asking if Vince McMahon was OK. Um, mm. <laughs> it's be- beautiful, Vince. I want to check is he OK. I've, I've heard he's had some car trouble. It's said, <laughs> you know, it's hard to get people who can repair your car well these days. Enough for me. I know I know very good people. Very, very good. <laughs> Uh, but the, the, they had to call it off because the next day Vince McMahon had to come out and be like, uh, you know, Crispin was dead uh, and so is his family. But uh, but at the time, Vince they didn't- McMahon with like comedy blackface and like hair blown back like <laughs> Wiley Coyote when the guns misfired. Yeah, his beak like, got bad on the back news, of his head. Um, but like at the time, they didn't realize that Crispin had murdered his entire family. So they did this entire mm. tribute show for three <laughs> hours. And then the next oh, day, they're like, wow. uh, our bad. We'll never talk about it again. <laughs> and they uh, never did. Con- Contrary to my earlier post, you do not, in fact, go hand it to him. <laughs> yeah, Chris Benoit went full Finland on his, on his entire family. <laughs> and yeah. then there's another, honestly, one of the weirdest career arcs of any wrestler is Kane. Mm. Um, his real name is, I believe, oh, Glenn yeah. Jacobs. Um, Infowars guest with Tommy <laughs> Robinson once upon a time. Um, oh, wow. Weird crypto libertarian guy uh, who played Kane, which was the Undertaker's twin brother who was disfigured and burned in a house fire that also killed their family, which also Kane apparently did that. But it's weird. Undertaker's also a wizard. Did I mention that yet? <laughs> no, I didn't realize he was a wizard. He was a wizard. Uh, and at one point turned into the American badass biker after 9-11 and came out to yeah. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yeah, awesome. biker, biker taker was a weird time. It was just like, all right, here's this guy who they keep killing and then he comes back alive. And now it's just now it becomes this. I am a real American. Yeah, they need a new Hulk Hogan. Um, yeah, but the, now uh, the music is. They didn't have biscuit. John Cena. They didn't have John Cena at the time, yeah, so they're back just from like the dead there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, America truly did keep on rolling into the yeah. last yeah. war. Um, but it, the the weird the WWE had to cancel their plotline where someone crashed a plane into Vince McMahon <laughs> that was scheduled for September twelfth, two thousand one. Oh, oh God, I do. So this is specifically has to do with England. Um, they did have to mm. cancel one storyline because they did a terrorism. Um, there is a character oh. named Hassan. 
This is getting as bad <laughs> oh, as you can no. imagine. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. And he was originally just like a normal guy uh, who happened to be named Hassan. And then Vince McMahon decided because he was a minority, he'd have to be a terrorist. Um, <laughs> and amazing. I don't think the actor who plays Muhammad Hassan is actually Arab. I might be wrong on that, though. I think he's Italian or something. He's just like Mexican. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but say. he, he um, yeah. Uh, randomly turned into an ISIS type character. Uh, before ISIS and uh, him and a whole bunch of baklava wearing uh, terrorists strangled and murdered the undertaker. Balaclava. Balaclava. Big fucking phyllo pastry with almonds on their head, you know. Phyllo pastry and cheese in the middle of their face. But there was they did that in the middle of the ring. And then the next day, the London bus bombings happened. Uh, and the, the WWE confronted with the the idea of we should take this off the air before airs in London said no fuck it air it and they did. Awesome. Yeah, so I respect WWE that. WWE had to get away from doing terrorism um, lines of uh, plot lines because like they could they literally could not predict will an actual terrorist mm. uh, event happen because it's already happened a couple times with them and it's just like you know let's uh we can do racism in a different direction let's uh stop bombing things though well, then they just vanished muhammad masan from tv because uh i think tbs or tnt whoever the fuck carried the show was like you can't do mm. that and they just deleted him without yeah. another word <laughs> i wanted to ask you guys though growing up in michigan and missouri like what was your relationship to professional wrestling? Because like my friend who got me to watch a bunch of it with him when we were in college, he was from Crawfordsville, Indiana, and like that it was this, this shit was like it was like the thing on TV that all like like the way that people care about prestige shows now. Like when he was a kid, like it was the thing that all the kids, like all the boys his age, that's like all they watched on well, TV. Well, Joe was Muhammad Hassan. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's he's the, Armenian, not Italian. <laughs> it's all right. There's currently an, there's currently an Armenian character in uh, All Elite Wrestling who's Italian. So thanks, guys. Oh, amazing. Um, Look, you just got to show up I'm and be swarthy. Yeah, if <laughs> his name is, 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 is literally like Shant Misrobian, but it's, uh, his character's name is like Joseph Pizzeria. Yeah. <laughs> I drive onto the stage in on the minivan. And I really like that I keep getting tagged in, in Shant Misrobian shit because I'm the only one that can illegally call him Shart and not do a racism. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad that's, that's a job that I will do. Uh, but, you know, I think the, the, the connection with wrestling to the Midwest has to go back to the regional wrestling days before yeah. Vince McMahon bought everything up um, because a lot of those mm. were in bumfuck Egypt uh, Midwest towns and also really weird places like Smoky Mountain Wrestling in Tennessee um, but yeah. very very um, uh, small regional things that are very popular with with white people for the most part because like even Smoky Mountain Wrestling which employed a lot of black wrestlers did them as heels which are bad guys they build characters um, to, yeah. to be to make racist white people angry. So like that was something that they could harness. And I, I still think that Booker T is basically that character oh, though. Yeah. Because all the Booker T plot lines that I saw, I was like, this is making me uncomfortable. Wrestling I, wrestling character in a full pimp outfit who you see him in the in the, on the big screen pissing on the toilet roll and the other wrestlers. <laughs> like, he was the, the godfather. <laughs> yeah, the godfather <laughs> and his hose. 
Yep. Oh, um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, there was like a character called New Jack in Smoky Mountain Wrestling who uh, went on like he his whole thing was to play New Jack from New Jack City and upset white people as a heel. And, you know, the day of I mean, to be fair, he was very, very good at it. and He knew his audience mm. the day that O.J. Simpson got away with murder. Uh, he went uh, on and cut a promo where he said, I would just like to give a shout out to my boy, OJ Simpson, two less white people to worry about. Keep up the good work. (laughs) (laughs) New Jack is a fucking master. Rest in peace, man. You psychopath. He had a white baby doll he bought from a corner store and hung it from a noose and carried it around with him. Um, (laughs) And his uh, critical it, respect. His, yeah. his main, his main uh, opponent, which is Fran- one of Francis's favorite people, uh, mostly because of how insane the storylines are, was a guy named Big Boss Man, whose entire thing was <laughs> he was a literal slave overseer. <laughs> dressed oh, as a cop oh, and, and it, but like quite God. literally that's what early I mean not even early wrestling this is all the way up until the mid 2000s they'd still pull shit like this in the WWF before it became WWE there was a wrestling stable known as Kai and Tai which were used they're Japanese they're very big wrestlers in Japan as well um, they were used as a comedy bit where they would have their lines dubbed over like a Godzilla movie where they would go and speak at length um, doing a promo or whatever in Japanese, and then the only thing that would come over is "indeed" in like a very <laughs> over the top <laughs> voice. Like it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, they're they're doing that. Well, a wrestler, because I I saw a bit of American professional wrestling growing up, and and one of the ones that stuck that stuck out to me was uh, Rikishi. Oh yeah, I think yeah. he was supposed to be Japanese. He was known for his move, the butt slam. <laughs> he was a big fat guy, and he'd climb up on the light on the ropes in the corner, and then he would just like jump on people ass. The stink first. face, yeah. Um, and, ah. and he wasn't Japanese; he was actually Samoan, uh, which happened a oh, lot uh, in 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 WWF. Is like eh, close enough, and because like yeah. they know they know who their their audience is, they don't care. Um, I, I just I, I just remember that one of my lieutenants when I was a very young captain. Uh, was from the greater Midwest, aka upstate New York, and grew up in a trailer park. And was his name was Catlin Sardina. He had a very strange name. Oh wow! And he told me one time he showed me his first tattoo he had gotten. His mom took him to get his first tattoo when it was he was fifteen, and it was and I'm not joking, Hulkamaniac on his right arm. So like I realized that like the, the, the professional wrestling had this appeal in that region. But like me not being from there originally and my parents not being into this shit. Like I just, I knew it existed. I remember when that weird game, what was it? Fucking Revolution X where like, it's like WWE villains and you have to like save fucking Aerosmith or something like that. <laughs> like when that game was in arcades and shit, I knew oh, it yeah. existed, but I never really knew the storylines. And then like the more you guys describe it, the more I realize how like in, it, it's genuinely like coronation street in the uk slash days of our lives in the u.s soap opera level of complexity yeah the one thing you can't save steven tyler from is looking increasingly like every english auntie (laughs) (laughs) i know that's that's very strange to me too because as you say that like also at disney world there's a, a roller coaster that's called the rock and roller coaster where you have to help aerosmith get to the gig in time and oh, like really? the, and they end up in a lot of games it seemed like Aerosmith was really trying to be Kiss, and they're just like, "Yeah, we'll we'll license ourselves out to anybody." Wah! In Revolution X, it was like Time Crisis, except you it was like a shooter on rails, but you had a gun that shot CDs at people. Hell yeah! <laughs> like, <laughs> Hell I'm yeah. not joking, man. I th- I think something to do with um why this I don't know spoke to a certain group of dumb Midwest kids, myself included, is because 
Mm. For most wrestlers, they're all poor trailer trash in one way or another because like you didn't you didn't necessarily have to be a great physical specimen to be a wrestler. You didn't necessarily have to be good on the mic. You didn't have to be good at promos. They have steroids for that. Yeah, they have steroids for that. Or you could just be like a jobber that doesn't have to fucking talk on the mic. Uh like Kane didn't talk on the mic for 20 goddamn years. Um and you could still through like virtue of of grit and dealing with horrible injuries, pain and CTE, you too could become Chris Benoit or whatever, you know, <laughs> Jesus. who's effectively but from you- the Midwest of Canada. Um, but, you know, it, that's that I think that was one of the things like one of the biggest um, stars, like the Hardy Boys, the uh, the I forget, Matt and Jeff, who are like the biggest mm-hmm white trash fuck-ups you've ever seen like they've been arrested for spousal abuse and meth and like you name it like one of the multi-millionaires get their trailers rated for drugs on the daily basis but they're awesome but they're still on tv so they're like that's just like my uncle or whatever you know (laughs) (laughs) representation matters on tv (laughs) oh yeah another fun memory of mine is scotty too hottie uh, oh, I don't even remember. A small oh, guy, yeah. he would like swing around people. His big thing was like doing a double legged kick, which always strikes me as like not a clever move in any kind of. Yeah, fight. his finisher was Removing doing the worm onto somebody. It was like it was. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. A, I mean, it is absolutely incredible. That's a finisher, but it also has to do with like buying into the drama of soap operas. Like, of course, that person's twin cousin didn't get the evil rock that killed their clone or whatever. Mm. Right. Like very obviously yeah. this 185 pound man doing the worm onto the undertaker isn't going to like pin him for three count, but you're like, Oh, mm. he fucking did the worm. It's over. Yeah. Scotty two hotties finisher was gently making love to the other wrestler and them enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing if that the that- undertaker comes, he has to submit. <laughs> Nobody ever sees the thick rope worm coming. <laughs> yeah. Ah, you hit my peace butt there, brother. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the things that got me, too, though, was some of the things, like, calling it representation matters, that Rob Van Dam reminded me of dudes that I knew who, like, had yin-yang tattoos and, like, man buns before we called them that, you know, with, like, the shaved side man buns and smoked a lot of weed. And so, like, in a way, you could recognize sort of, you know, Jean-Claude's brother. That looked like... That, that, that looked like you and then you know the guy who joins the marines from high school and becomes a fucking like a huge meathead like john cena basically yeah, rob like, van damme's are- singlets look like a trapper keeper <laughs> <laughs> yes fucking hell man they did like a fucking lisa frank folder also fucking uh fucking batista who would wear like knee-high boots and a pair of speedos and that was it I've always been curious how they keep their like junk in those speedos that everything that they're like, is there double stick tape in there? I'm, I'm honestly curious. He, he looked like a roided up Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> so I've read, if you ever read any of Mick Foley's books, he, he wrote about that one time, like how the wrestlers would fuck with each other when they had like singlets on, like those briefs kinds and like how he like speci- I think he, he said he was wrestling Al Snow and he, uh, did something to like pull the singlet aside. And it's just like, and it was, he's like, it wasn't a televised match, but like, you know, sp- he did it because it wasn't televised. Cause he knew he could get away with it. And it's like, you know, when you're wrestling and you're in that tight singlet, you, you're not, it, it's not helping, you know, you're not going to look good when that comes out, which is specifically why he did it. Uh, yes. Al Snow, a wrestler famous for having an on-screen love affair with a mannequin head. <laughs> Hey, look, at least he did. At least Al Snow did not birth a hand. Um, True. Mark Henry Henry and uh, fuck, what was her name? Um, I don't remember. Help me out here. 
Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, there was a hand that was birthed. And then on the Raw, 1000, the 1000th episode, which was shot in St. Louis, and I went mm. to see it um, because I, at the time, had nothing better to do with money. Um, they... <laughs> We got to see that hand all grown up, and it was basically like somebody had went to like a spirit Halloween and bought a hand costume <laughs> and put it on. May May West, I think that's who it was. And, oh, and no. yeah, they were just yeah. Th- and I she I was like eighty. Also, May West is very old at the time, and they power bombed mm. her through shit constantly. <laughs> yeah, like, May West <laughs> deadly put her through a table when she was in her mid sixties. Yes, they're just like, yeah, we're just going to, May, are you cool with this? And apparently she's like, yeah, powerbomb me through a table. My power, like, I'm 38, Wait, my May shoulder West hurts. is in, like, the Hollywood actress. Uh, no, it was her stage name. Uh, May, she oh, was right, um, okay. a very well-known early pioneer of women wrestling in the United States. And right, the, the right, WWF right, right. signed her to physically and emotionally abuse her. <laughs> <laughs> we own you now just the, the thing about pulling the pants aside reminded me of i think it's a thing one of my turkish friends was telling me this in like sorry turkish may young i'm sorry before people start uh, okay. yelling us oh may young. shit yeah you're right i think it i may old as, as the case <laughs> um apparently it's a thing in, in turkish oil wrestling which in the greatest traditions of the great nation of turkey is, is of course done naked um that the way you win is by getting your finger in the other guy's asshole <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, and, and today yeah. I've learned something new about Turkish culture. Thank you. <laughs> so I was going to say, too, that's very funny to me now because I realized that it, it sounds like it's entirely possible that if somebody went through and was reviewing old uh, old matches that were shot in various Midwest cities, that there might seem like some ratty fucking, you know, early teenage Francis or Joe holding up a sign that said Austin 316 on it or something to that. Effect. Absolutely. If I could have afforded it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not I did not actually go to see wrestling matches when I was younger. Um mm. I didn't have cable, so I didn't I, I could only watch wrestling uh, like at yeah. a friend's house. So mm. it wasn't until it is actually I came back when I came back from Iraq in twenty uh, in twenty ten, my roommate at the time was just like, Look, I watched Monday Night Raw and you can either sit here and watch it with mm. me or not. I don't care, but I watch it. And that's what ended up getting me into wrestling. And now, like, I, I, I keep up with, like, a lot of local stuff. I actually saw mm. um, the, the first time I've ever seen Billy Corrigan, the lead singer of uh, the Smashing, Smashing Pumpkins, Pumpkins. Mm. was, like, a month ago at a um, uh, an all-women uh, wrestling pay-per-view that was shot mm. at the Chase here in St. Louis. Uh, so good, good to, you know, like wrestling was weird back then. And it's, um, I, I, I want to say that it's better, but like, also there's a lot of storylines. Like when, when big show, this guy who he's just a massive oh, yeah, the, dude, the really big guy. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, big Paul show. When his, yeah. Yeah. When his father died in real life, they used it as a prop. And the prop was a uh, big boss man crashed the funeral, tied the fu- uh, tied Big Show's uh, father's coffin to the back of his police cruiser and drove off with it. But Big Show jumped on top of the uh, of the coffin as well. So you have this scene of these mourners around this coffin. I believe they've and- used his dad's real funeral for that as well, <laughs> and the real body. <laughs> that, you well, get a ghost ride the corpse. Yeah, that's and- right. And, you know, it just it really speaks to just like how insane these wrestlers have to be to just be like, man, my dad died. How can we make this a storyline? How for can the we next- make this into content? Basically, they were podcasters of their day. Yeah, exactly. Ray Mysterio, it was uh, Eddie Guerrero before his death. Uh, no, sorry. It's Ray Mysterio uh, used his own. Why are so many of these people dead? Uh, steroids, mostly. <laughs> uh, and oh, and right, untreated yeah. brain injury. 
smashing uh, things into their heads constantly. Uh, like Eddie Guerrero died of a very rare heart condition that was made worse by the fact his heart was six times its normal size. <laughs> uh, awesome. But I think it was Rey Mysterio and uh, Eddie Guerrero had a storyline where they were fighting over custody of, of their actual real life child, uh, one of their children, yes. um, to the point that when he went to school, uh, like th- there was teachers at at school that were asking, like, is like which one of them is actually your dad? Uh, like, are you are you incredible. okay? Are you all right? Like I watch TV, but are you all right? And I think it's it was Ray Mysterio's right. It was technically it was Ray Mysterio's kid, but like Eddie, those whole storyline and Eddie and Ray Mysterio were both like little flippy luchador kind of wrestlers. So a lot of times yeah. they were you and know they were very they were good together. friends in real life. So like it, it was yeah. it was. That wasn't even the worst storyline. I mean, there oh, what a beautiful story. <laughs> there was the storyline where, I mean, Triple H, who's now pretty much second command of the entire company uh, after Vince McMahon, married Vince McMahon's daughter. But it started it's as... than Double H. <laughs> it, yeah. It started as a storyline where he kidnapped, drugged, uh, and married her while she was unconscious. And also, oh. it's insinuated that he raped her. Uh, like uh, on, right. like on screen, um, and that was just that was like two thousand two, three, something like that. Um, and then that was fine. That was on like network TV at seven p.m. <laughs> a different time. Was it Kane that fucked the dead body? His he, dead girlfriend. He tried to fuck a dead body. Yes, uh, his yeah. dead girlfriend at her uh what at her funeral. Uh, he yeah. that's uh now Mayor Glenn Jacobs of somewhere in Tennessee where I cannot this is just remember. Absolutely unhinged. <laughs> it, Who's an anti-mask guy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's why he took. That's why Kane took the mask off. It's just like <laughs> very, very rude. I think that WWE wrestlers can make a fucking plot line of that. Whereas I got in school suspension for making a fucking funny version of the "Don't Drink and Drive" poem that ended with that same sort of phenomenon of fucking a corpse. And you know what? <laughs> I got called an asshole for doing that. Uh, yeah. Nate, the first uh, true victim of, the- of cancel culture. <laughs> That's uh, right. I, you know what's funny is that I actually remember this poem, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe you guys got this too in school, like right before Christmas break or spring break or something. They made you read, like, or they passed around like this fucking garbage poem that was like a AOL forwarded message kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I don't remember how the poem went, but it was about like the guy going to like his girlfriend's grave, like at the funeral, and it's like something, something, something. This is what happens to man alive when friends let friends drink and drive. Like it was a total fucking shit poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe me you guys in remember fifth grade, this. Just like okay, I won't drink and drive then. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. And that's why, so me at age age fourteen. I saw this poem and I was annoyed that they made us. And then they, for balance, they have to show you the drill tweet as well. So, <laughs> so I, 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 I wrote an extra stanza on this poem on the piece of paper they gave it on that it says, and he, what is it said? That he opened her casket and saw her cadaver. He tried to look hard for memories to gather. He thought to remember was better than not. So he fucked her cold body right there on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Very lyrical. Well, Very I was lyrical. 14, but I was good at this shit. Anyways, my teacher saw it because all my friends were laughing at it, and I got fucking in-school suspension for that shit. Fuck you. I should have been a storyline writer for yeah, WWE. We're, re- we're re-litigating that. Exactly. Right now, right here on this podcast. Um, What I was going to say was, going back to the thing about the signs, uh, is there's like a, a really famous British meme, which is a screenshot of a WrestleMania, I think, that was in Atlanta, Georgia, like in like the mid-2000s, mm-hmm. where someone who I presume was British in the crowd, or, either, or like an Anglophile, American uh, is holding up a sign 
in the crowd that says youth hosteling with Chris Eubank in massive letters, which is a reference to I'm Alan Partridge, like this like cult British sitcom where like Alan Partridge is like a failed XTV guy. We've talked about this on Britonology and he's always trying to pitch shows to get back on TV. And so he has like a dictaphone of show ideas. The, the running joke being that all the show ideas are terrible. And one of them, he just goes, Youth hosteling with Chris Eubank. And there's just like a TV executive just like shaking his head. See, it all comes together. And so it's like the Undertaker on stage and then just this sign like hundreds of feet above him. Just like <laughs> youth hosteling with Chris Eubank. How many people died in the ring? Was it just Owen Hart? Um, in the WWF, just Owen Hart. Uh, there's been a couple that have died um, in like independent shows. One, di- I think two people have died in um, like the AAA Luchador show. Uh, one, uh, the Brave Mysterio killed him. Um, the, uh, it, it was a botch. I mean, shit happens. Uh, someone's been paralyzed in the Shouldn't ring. Shouldn't have tried to take my kid. <laughs> I mean, like uh, D'Lo Brown paralyzed the guy in the ring. Uh, his name's Draws. And it was an accident. Uh, like, fuck it. Well, and, 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 you know, we're, we're coming up onto the end of this. Uh, you, should, you should talk about the mass transit incident. Because that's probably one of the most infamous... Um, parts of wwe or wwf attitude era and like of just how insane wrestling is well i mean the mass transit incident was an ecw not wwf but i mean the same same I was era gonna say, it wasn't like ecw and wcw like the really crazy one wcw was crazy storyline wise like they had like david arquette become champion at one point uh but like uh it, <laughs> wait yes that david arquette yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah i remember that but uh, ECW was crazy to the extent of like, let's see how far legally we can go. And that first, I think, one of the first times it ended up in court was the, what's called the Mass Transit incident. The Mass Transit was a mm-hmm. character's name who was a fat guy dressed as a bus driver. Um, that's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And he was booked to uh, uh, wrestle New Jack, who had so who had completely lost his mind at this point. Um, and Mass Transit was actually a 16 or 17-year-old boy who had never had any wrestling training at all. I uh, lied to Paul Heyman, who works for the WWF now, is a pretty big name, um, and that he was like 21 or something like that. He trained with the Hearts, which is completely false. Um, and uh, Mass Transit, whose real name I don't remember, went up to New Jack and told him that he wanted to bleed. Like he wanted to get bladed, which is how they used to make people bleed uh, on say, which is, you know, slicing yourself with a razor effectively above the eyebrow where you just gush like a stuck pig. Um, and also he said other things to New Jack that New Jack took as disrespectful because again, he's insane. Uh, and everybody knew New Jack was nuts, uh, but they put these two in the ring together anyway. And New Jack proceeded to shoot fight on him, which is literally beat the fucking shit out of this kid. Um, and then pick him up and stabbed him in the fucking face with a scalpel. Not like a razor blade, which is normally used. An actual surgical scalpel that he had brought into the ring with him. And severed an artery in his forehead and nearly killed him. And uh, af- while he's on the ground bleeding, um, he's still beating the shit out of him. His dad, The kid's dad is in the crowd calling New Jack the, the N-word, which is, causing, <laughs> which is causing New Jack to beat the shit out of this kid more. And then like when it quickly becomes apparent that this... This is, you know, a bot like this is a serious emergency and like refs are coming in to try to separate them and nursing and on first aid staff, which I don't think they actually had ambulances on standby because ECW is fucking insane. Uh, and like people are trying to separate them and New Jack picks up the mic. He's like, I don't care if this motherfucker dies or something like that and just keeps kicking him like legitimately in the head. 
Um, and then walks off and he got brought up on charges for that because he stabbed a minor in the face with a scalpel and got away with it because it's on stage. Uh, and it was like under the idea, the old carny rules of wrestling, which is like, Hey, if this happens in the ring, it's probably because we both agreed upon it. Um, and, uh, yeah, he got away with it. Um, but now you can watch all of us on YouTube if you'd oh like. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love just, like, the extremely powerful redneck vibe of, like, do you know what's going to de-escalate this situation? <laughs> uh, throwing in some N-bombs. I mean, just, um, th- this isn't even the first and only time New Jack stabbed a guy in the ring. He did this two other times. Uh, in another situation, again, ECW, he threw a man off a 30-foot scaffold and attempted to murder him. Uh, there's a there's a Hulu documentary, or I think it's a Vice, but you can stream it, called uh, The Life and Time of New Jack or something like that. And people are saying, no, New Jack didn't actually try to kill him. That's just a rumor. Then it goes to New Jack. He's like, yeah, I tried to kill him. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I did. I'll do it again. Well... Thank you for recounting that. This is insane. I'm learning a lot too because I knew a little bit about professional wrestling, but nowhere near as much as you guys. I didn't. I didn't remember it being this crazy. I remembered it being kind of like soap opery, like stupid storylines and like over, like ridiculous overacting. But I didn't remember it being quite that insane. Which yeah. it still is, but it's also fun though. Like I go, like I said, I go and watch local shows um, because that's where you can see. You, you can watch wrestling and it not, you know, cost an arm and a leg like WWE tickets and shit do. But cost you know, some of them an arm and a leg. Right. <laughs> it cost uh, them the face. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a wrestler that I follow now called Danhausen, um, who just like has a weird painted face and he just adds Hausen to the end of everything. Um there was one just there the was Dutch one guy language. Yeah. Uh, there was one guy whose gimmick was he uh, pretended he was an owl, and the way he got defeated was uh, by a guy who um, his gimmick was he would drink PBRs and then crush them on his forehead, and then nice. he aesthetically nice. gimmick. Got that's your- just all of our uncles. Yeah. Well, mm. that's a that, yeah. He was drunk uncle. Um, that, oh, there there is a, there is also a guy whose gimmick is Dan the Dad, um, where he dresses like a dad and comes out and uh, and. You know, tells dad jeans, jokes and trainers. Yeah, yeah, and a hat on, uh, a Ruin baseball in the ring, a baseball hat on backwards, and everything, trying to be cool still. Oh, nice. You know, the millennial dad look, like uh, like mm. I rock every day. <laughs> so find your local wrestle, find your local wrestling. Um, it's not going to be as weird and insane as uh, the old stuff, I guess. But uh, I don't know. It's it's well, still entertaining well, to me. Well, it's still well, real you. to me. Damn it. Thank you guys for making time for this early morning in Hawaii, mid-afternoon in St. Louis, and evening in London. Yeah. Never has so much time zone coordination gone into discussing the stupidest shit on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait until I move, baby. Look, uh, Milo, you're, you're forgetting the entirety of the 20 years of the Afghan war where uh, that, there was a lot of communication over many time zones about a bunch of dumbass shit. So. <laughs> this is very true. Well, anyway, uh, Francis uh, can be found, what a hell of a way to die with me when we talk about military veteran stuff from a leftist perspective. Joe, please plug your show as well. I'm the host of the Lions Head by Donkeys podcast, uh, not the British one, not that one. Uh, and we talk not not, not the centrist. <laughs> yeah, um, we You're talk about ad campaign, military history, war crimes, uh, dumb stories from throughout history, and all of the things that you're probably lied about in history class. Yeah, the, the history of various wrestlers, the history of various wrestlers. Things. Yeah. 
But uh, once again, this has been Midwestology. Thank you so mm. much for listening. And, You'll uh, learn so much. Thank you, Milo, for uh, for your open mind Sitting about here in the big virtual diner. Our our beautiful, beautiful culture of the place that none of us wants to. Well, Francis stayed there, but Joe did not, and neither did I. I'll never return. And, no. Yeah, me neither. I fucking um, love the Midwest. It's so cheap. It's so it, it is, inexpensive. Here. It is inexpensive. That's about all it's got going for it's it. It's so easy to get a gun. Like, I mean, just <laughs> so ridiculous. You could, in the Midwest, you can end your life at literally any time. <laughs> Everything is cheaper when you point a gun at someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Brit- Britain might be the big Midwest, but you know what it doesn't have? Captain D's. And I don't like Captain D's. I thought D's. you were going to say firearms, because if Britain had firearms, the homicide rate would, would be, be like... It would be 10 times America's homicide rate. Yeah. But what I'd also say is that because Captain D's may not be good, but if you're a teen boy from Indiana... Captain D's name is extremely funny. And that is the one thing. For Milo's not laughing, but Joe and Francis are laughing because they know exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, I will leave you with that. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.